In previous seasons and episodes, you learned what trust is, the benefits of trust, the cost of not having trust. You learned the eight laws of trust and what and that the building block of trust is your trustworthiness. Then you learned my six-component model of what makes a person trustworthy. I even applied it to different situations. Now it's time to work on your trustworthiness using my seven-step process. To some extent, it is similar to losing weight. There are strong benefits, but it's really hard to do, although it's not impossible. This is the first episode in a series of episodes that will take you through that process. If up until now I educated now, now it's time to make it happen. I will give you examples from my weight loss journey as well as the process that I took myself through to become a better leader. I will give you specific assignments. The best way to benefit from this is to actually do the assignments. You can follow the process here in this podcast or in the book of trust or the workbook of trust or my online courses, Trusted at Work. In this episode, I will describe the process and take you through step one, identify one relationship. Welcome to The Trust Show. I'm your host, Yoram Solomon, a researcher of trust and the author of The Book of Trust. In this podcast, I will share with you everything that I know and discovered about trust. I will challenge you to think differently about trust. But not only will I teach you about trust, I will also give you actionable advice on how to build trust, be trusted, and know who to trust. It's almost like I'm reading The Book of Trust to you, but with no holding back, and no BS. Up until now, I taught you about trust. I taught you the eight laws of trust, or really what trust is and how it behaves. And I taught you how to be trusted, or really what makes a person trusted through the six laws of com- uh, the six components of trustworthiness. Starting with this episode, and it's probably going to take quite a few episodes, hopefully will be done before the end of the third season, I'll talk about, we're going to turn education into action. And I'm going to show you what you have to actually do to be more trusted. We'll start now. Trust is the foundation for everything. Hopefully by now you you get that. Uh, And uh, the building block of trust is trustworthiness. And this this is why my entire framework focuses on a person's trustworthiness, maybe your trustworthiness, than just trust kind of in general. Uh, I I adopted something that uh, from uh, John F. Kennedy's uh, 1961 inaugural address. uh, and, And the way I say this is, Ask not what others can do to earn your trust. Ask what you can do to earn theirs. So the focus is in uh, building uh, your trustworthiness, mainly yours. Uh, it will help you. That once you understand this process, it is a process that will help you 
help others build their own trustworthiness. So if you're in a uh, human resources, in a leadership, project management, whatever leadership till, uh, uh, role where you are in a position to help others or you need to grow the level of trust overall in your organization, this process that I'm going to apply to you, you can apply to others once you master it, once you feel comfortable enough doing it uh, for others. Um, why is being trustworthy so important? So. I mentioned one of the studies, uh, surveys, I'll call it a survey, uh, that I've done uh, three years ago when I asked what is the most important quality for you in other people or from your perspective in other pe- uh, from other people in you. 61.2% said that it was your trustworthiness. That was more than the next four combined. 61.2% said that the most important quality in you is your trustworthiness. Now, I asked about six different uh, types of people. I asked about a boss, an employee, a peer, colleague, uh, a salesperson trying to sell you something, your government representative or your spouse. So think about you filling those roles. So when you are somebody's leader, what is the most important quality that your employees see in you? Number one, trustworthiness. Uh, If you're a salesperson trying to sell something to other people, to your customers, what is the number one quality they see in you? Trustworthiness. 77.4% of the time, it's trustworthiness. Um, If you're a spouse, it's trustworthiness. Actually, that came second right after uh, salespeople. I asked people in another survey, what what is, uh, is being trusted at work important to you? 85% said yes. I want to be trusted at work. So that that was the question. Do you want to be trusted? Do you feel that you need to be trusted at work? 85% said yes. 46% said a lot more than I am uh, right now, much more. Uh, Now, in uh, the first episode of this uh, third season, I talked about the outcomes of trust. So I would encourage you to go and check that episode uh, because it, it, kind of gives things a perspective and and sometimes even a financial perspective of how important trust is. So you may want to check that. Um, The process applies to every relationship. I already mentioned that. So I I mentioned that at work, that that was kind of number one in three of the six categories that I gave you. I told you that your customers uh, think that the most important quality in you is somebody trying to sell them something. Now, you, you may be selling a product, uh, but you may be selling a service. You may be selling a service that you are actually doing. And my 15th book or or the fifth book in the series, uh, Can I Trust You? Uh, Something plus one habits that will make you more trustworthy in in every specific role. The last one was actually for consultants, advisors, and coaches. And for them, it's not only important to be trustworthy to get the business. For a salesperson, typically it's important to be trustworthy to get the business. But for a consultant, advisor, or coach, where you are starting a relationship or or anyone who's providing services, being trustworthy is not only important to start to get the business, it's also very important to maintain the business, to keep the business, to do it well. The only one area where trustworthiness was not the most important quality was actually uh, when I asked leaders about their employees. Only 39.3% said that the most important quality for them in their employees is their trustworthiness. 
Number one with 47.5%, so 8%, more than 8% higher, was the willingness to work hard, which is the leadership issue. And I talked about that in the past, and that's not uh, my point here. Even if for your boss, the second most important quality in you is your trustworthiness. In 39.3% of the time, that's what they said. In 39.3% of the time, they said it was number one. Even it's if only 40% of bosses believe that your number one quality is trustworthiness. Still worth working on. When I asked about uh, employees, about their bosses, uh, so if you're a leader, the, the answer is 60%. So 60% of your employees think that not your number one quality, your most important quality, is trustworthiness. Uh, now, the, the next question is, oh, uh, on peers and colleagues, it's pretty much 49.2%. Um, then I asked, uh, when I asked, who do you want to be trusted by? When I asked, do you want to be more trusted at work? When I asked, who do you want to be trusted by? 73% said by the boss. 73% I want to be more trusted by my boss. So that's that's important to you, to be more trusted by your boss, 73% of the time. How about as a boss, by your employees? 22%. Your peers, your colleagues, 43%. 43%. I'm not talking about what the colleagues said about you because they said it was 60%. Uh, I'm to, or 49.2%. I'm sorry, I'm getting the numbers mixed up. Uh, when I ask you, assuming you were a participant in that study, how important it is for you to be trusted by your peers, you said 43%. Government representatives, what was it? Uh, 65.5% spouse. I already said, said to you, uh, they, spouses believe that the uh, number one quality in their spouse, 77.2% of the time, is trustworthiness. So the process that I'm going to take you through here is what I typically do in uh, the third part of a workshop. So my, my workshops are divided into three parts. The first is inspiration. This is where I take you through the eight laws of trust. I tell a few stories and, and I explain um, what trust really is through the eight laws of trust. The second part is, and, and this first part takes about 30, 40 minutes. The second part takes about 15 minutes to an hour. And this is, I call it the education. So the first one was inspiration. It kind of gets you into wanting to know more and, and do more. The second part is uh, education. This is where I take you through what does it take to be trusted. So these are the six laws of trust. The third part is what I do now, what I'll do through the, these next few episodes, starting with this one, is application. So inspiration, education, application. This time we're going to apply it. And in a workshop, I typically spend two hours. I do it in a way that I refer to as mass coaching. Because it's it's interesting. I, I had audiences of 380 people. And in 380 people, I coach every one of them through this process I'm going to take you through. But each one of them comes up with a completely different plan. I mean, you're going to be sitting here and the person sitting right next to you is going to have a different plan. So I, I call it kind of mass coaching. I coach everyone at the same time differently. 
I call it parallel coaching, one too many. So I don't use one too many uh, too often because, you know, am I referring to two as T-O or two as T-O-O in one too many is has completely different meaning. It takes the, the process itself takes two hours and 90 days. Yeah, you got it right. It's two hours and 90 days. I, I didn't make a mistake. So the two hours are what you're going to get uh, through the next uh, episodes. And, and the next episodes might take a little more than two hours because I'm going to explain the rationale too so that you'll understand why we're doing certain things. But um, overall, if, if all we did now is just worked on you, uh, doing the first two parts is going to take the, the first two parts. I, I would say the first six steps because I'm going to take you uh, through seven steps in those three parts. So the first seven steps are, are the first six steps are going to take two hours, pretty much. Uh, you'll get to that point uh, in two hours, and then it takes ninety days because what we're doing is we're building a new habit, a new habit that will make you more trustworthy uh, or less untrustworthy. Uh, however you want to look at it. So uh, in the 90 days, you're going to do on your own. So I'm going to take you through the two hours. I'm going to take you through the first six steps and the seventh step is going to be, well, you go do it. You can find more about this process in uh, the Book of Trust. You can find all the worksheets that uh, that I, I use uh, in the Workbook of Trust. And we're, we're not going to use the worksheets here, but you're going to get a sense of what they are. Uh, there is a companion video. If you take the workbook of trust, there is a companion video uh, that you can uh, use to help you fill the, those forms. Uh, there's the series of courses called Trusted at Work and in Trusted at Work, I'm taking you through this process and, and you get the forms over there. Once again, in general, actually not once again, now I'll talk about this process, the, the application process. And in the application process, there are three parts, once again, Three parts. Everything is, is broken into three. Actually, it's not. It's eight laws of trust, six components of trustworthiness, and the seven-step process. But in general, there are three parts to that process. The first one is diagnose. Diagnose is going to be the first and second uh, parts, uh, the first and second steps. Those are uh, will help you diagnose what you're doing wrong in a specific relationship that's holding you back from being trusted at something. Okay, so we're going to identify all of those things, uh, starting with the relationship, the what is it that uh, you want to be trusted or not trusted enough yet, and the third part, and then um, identify what is it that you're doing there. The second part is the planning part, the plan. So that's going to take uh, steps three, four, five, and six, actually, and that would be how do we identify what we need to do or what you need to do differently? What is this new habit that you need to start or an old habit that you need to stop uh, that we identified in, per, in part one? But now we're going to make a plan because here's the thing. Knowing what you want to do, you'll see later in, in another episode uh, when I talk about step six, uh, knowing what you have to do is 10% of getting there. Really, it's only 10%. The ASTD, they used to be called ASTD, the Association for Training and Development. They did a survey, a study, and they found that if you know what you have to do, you only have 10% chance of actually doing it or achieving it, completing it. So it takes more 
Uh, and if you go all the way to making a commitment and making a plan, and I'm going to give you things and tips on, on how to make it easy to, to increase the probability that you're actually going to be able to execute on that habit, uh, that, will take, um, uh, that, that will take you up to 50%. And, and I'm going to show you one more thing, one more element that's actually going to get you to 95%. So if you think about that, the first one, the first part is diagnose, finding out what is it that, uh, that you're doing. Uh, that you need to stop or, or replace with something else. The second part is make a plan that will get you there with the 95% probability. And the third part is your part. That's the 90 days. That's execution. Now you have to execute. You know what the plan is. Uh, you know what you have to do, how you have to do it. And, and if you're using an accountability partner, which we'll talk about in step six, or even mutual accountability, which we'll talk about in step 6A, uh, then uh, you will... In, in the third part, the 90-day part, you actually do it. Let's start with step one. And step one is to identify one relationship in which you want to be more trusted or you, you feel that you're not trusted enough. So the first question is, why only one relationship? I mean, why not fix everything? Well, first of all, uh, remember trust law number three, trust is personal. Uh, do you remember the story I told you about rate my professors? How two of my students sitting in the same classroom at the same time in the same class gave me such completely different opposite uh, reviews for the same class. And, and I was obviously the same professor. Uh, and this is because different people see you differently. So the, the first reason is because trust is personal. It's relative. And that's that's the unique thing about my my approach here, my my. Uh, uh, my, my framework. The second is because if you focus on one relationship, it helps you, it helps keep you focused. Um, in, in step two, I'm going to talk about why only one habit, but, but this way you, you're focused on one thing in one relationship. You don't get distracted by things that happen in other relationships. Now, other relationships. Now, here's another uh, important reason. Probably the odds are if you're doing something wrong in one relationship and it costs you to lose trust, you are probably doing the same thing in other relationships as well. So this is kind of scalable. If, if you fixed one thing in one relationship, you may start seeing the uh, how it's, it's fixing your relationship, other relationships. Because you know what? If you're going to find a new habit of doing things in one relationship... We're going to work so hard on, on building that habit. You're going to work so hard. I'm just going to tell you how. But you're going to work so hard on that one relationship to fix it, to fix that one thing. It's going to be easier for you to do the same thing in other relationships so it is scalable and it applies to other relationships. Now, uh, another thing, and that's... Uh, it's kind of... Uh, because trust is transferable, that's uh, trust law number five... Think of this as, as a starting point. You know, first, you, you have improved your trust doing one thing in one relationship or stopping to do one thing in one relationship. Uh, and, and it's the starting point to improve other things in that relationship. Uh, you know, an, another analogy is uh, this This is like a, a beachhead. When, you know, think D-Day when they came in and uh, landed in uh, Normandy. Uh, that was their beachhead. This is where they started until all the way when they took Europe back. 
So uh, think of it as a beachhead, you, your starting point. This is you establish yourself as being more trusted, doing one thing, and then it's uh, working for other relationships and, and other things that you're going to do in the same relationship. Jeffrey Moore in the book Inside the Tornado gave a great example. He said when you want to penetrate a market, he has the bowling alley analogy. He says you knock the first pin, the first pin will knock other pins. So we're looking for that first pin to knock out. How do you choose which relationship to work on? First, it has to be a relationship that's important to you. So let's find an, a, a, a relationship that's important to you. Uh, find a relationship where there is a dependency on you. So, you know, if somebody doesn't depend on you, that means that uh, there's no risk if you do something wrong and, and so they don't care. They don't need to trust you. So, you know, on one hand, find a relationship that you care to be trusted at. But if we think about it being in at work and, and think about you being part of a project team, for example, there are other people who may rely on you. Not everybody on the project team will rely on you. But those who do, if they rely on you and they consider you trusted, the project will work better and you're going to benefit kind of, I'm almost going to say indirectly. So a relationship that's important to you and or a relationship where there is high dependency on you and the outcome of that high dependency is important to you. So it may not be important to you, but it may be important to the organization. And so uh, you need to, uh, if, now, if this is not an important relationship to you or to the organization, move on. We're not just trying to find busy work to, to get you more trusted in a relationship that doesn't matter to you, doesn't matter to the, to the organization, there is no high dependency. So if this is not important, uh, you know, we're not just trying to, to find something to fill this time. Now, it has to be a relationship where you feel that you're not trusted or not trusted enough. And I'm not going to say completely not trusted. I don't think that there is such a thing as being completely not trusted in a relationship, in any relationship. You're probably just not trusted to the level that you want to be trusted to do this specific thing. Remember that trust laws number one and two, one is trust is continuous. So there is a level, there is a bar that you need to pass. And, and you believe that in that relationship, you're below that bar. And two, it's contextual. It's, it's in the context of doing something very specific. So uh, I want you to remember one thing, and that is that the perspective that you need to take, the question comes from the other person. It's, it's what they think. You have to know if they think that you're not trusted enough doing that specific thing in that relationship. It doesn't matter if you think that you are. What matters is what they think, because that's what makes you trusted. You may be trustworthy, but they don't know that. They just don't trust you enough. Uh, so, it, but, but more importantly to, to our context here is that they don't think that you're trustworthy and therefore they don't trust you. I mean, if the other person is a person who's not willing to trust anyone, then you know what? Maybe you want to work on another relationship because there's nothing that you can do to affect their trustability, right? Trust law number eight, the, their trust in you is the product of their trustability, their willingness to trust other people in general or your type of people. 
such as employees, such as, I don't know what, pilots, and your trustability. So if they consider you not to be trusted or, or not to be um, your trustworthiness, I'm sorry. If they consider you not to be trustworthy, and this is why they don't trust you, this is what we want to work on. But once again, we need to look at their perspective. How do you know? How do you know if a person trusts you or not? Well, one way is to ask them. Here is the problem. I mentioned that in the first season when I talked about how important trust and trustworthiness is. And one of the reasons is because it gives you the ability, it gives them the ability to give you feedback. If you remember, I gave you that number that when someone trusts you, they are 106% more likely to be willing to give you feedback. And so they may not be willing to give you that feedback. They may not be willing to say, we don't trust you and this is why. So keep that in mind, but knowing it from their perspective is going to be the most important. Ask someone who knows them. That typically is, is probably the best way when you really feel that you're not being trusted. If you feel that you're just, you know, barely below the trust level uh, that, that you need for, for that relationship in, in that context, then maybe it's uh, that person is going to be willing to tell you because, you know, there's really a very small gap. But if the gap is bigger, that person may not be willing to tell you, but somebody else may. So I'll tell you a story that's going to follow us throughout this, uh, uh, taking you through the uh, seven-step process. And that is uh, when I joined Texas Instruments, actually not when I joined Texas Instruments, because I joined them in 2002 back in California. My office was up in Santa Rosa. And... Uh, you know, we lived in California. My wife asked if at some point we we're going to have to move to Texas. And I said, no, that's never going to happen. And then she asked, uh, what if they offer you to be a general manager of a business unit, but the business unit is in Texas? And I said, why would anybody ask me? They hardly know me uh, back in Dallas. Sure enough, one year, five months later, they asked me to come in and be a general manager. I don't think that was my strength. I don't think my strength is to be a general manager. And fortunately enough, about a year later, I did find this out for myself. And without, you know, somebody firing me or telling me you're doing a terrible job. But in that one year, I remember one day I had 89 people reporting to me in general for directly reporting to me. And I remember that one of them came to me. Uh, well, actually, it wasn't one of them. It was one of my peers because they didn't come. Uh, they didn't come to me, those four people. And one of my peers came to me and said, they have a trust issue with you. And he explained what it was, but but we'll take that uh, in the next step and, and beyond. But it was using a third person. So you may consider using a third person that knows them enough to uh, the other person that you want to be more trusted by in that specific relationship, in that specific context. So you may want to ask somebody who knows them and knows enough what's going on and that feels comfortable enough giving you that feedback because they need to feel comfortable giving you that feedback too. The, the third option, kind of the lowest one, is to be sensitive enough and look for clues. Uh, look for clues. And, and I'm going to give you examples uh, later of what kind of clues are, are we looking for. So um, 
if you you don't have their perspective, and that, that's an important thing, uh, for better or worse. And, and I remember one time that I did that, you know, my class, uh, my, my course, my online course, Trusted at Work, has a plus version. The plus version, I or a member of my team would actually go over your assignments and, and have a 30-minute call with you. And several times that happened, the different members, uh, the, the different uh clients, different uh, participants in those courses, they sent back their self-assessment forms. And I asked the question, is this how the other person sees you? And in some cases, people were kind of taken aback by by that question saying, what are you suggesting? Are you suggesting that... uh, I overinflated how good I am and and that they think so much worse of me. Actually, you'll be surprised. I would say that I had equal amounts of when the other person actually thought more positively about that participant than the participant thought about themselves. So uh, just keep in mind that for better or worse, you don't have their perspective. And so Try and look for clues. And, and once again, I'm going to give you a few, a few examples uh, for clues. If you believe that you are trusted enough through all the relationships and all, first of all, I don't know what you've been drinking because you're not. I'm not. not and nobody is. You know, the most trusted person in America is not trusted by all people in all relationships, in all contexts. So just move on and find a relationship, find something, find a context in which you're not trusted enough and work on that. I'm going to give you a few signs. I promise that I'm going to give you a few signs to know that you are not trusted in a specific relationship. Now, this is by far not a comprehensive list and and, uh, you can use your own list And obviously, there are different relationships. I'm going to do that by the different relationships. Uh, First, they vary. Those those components, those uh, symptoms or signs, they vary by different relationships. So, for example, uh, are you trusted enough by your boss? Or here are signs that you're not trusted enough by your boss. You're being micromanaged. You get bureaucracy. These are the policies. This is how you do things rather than, you know, more autonomy. You don't get enough autonomy. You are being micromanaged. I mean, you have to report every little thing. Your boss asks for reports on every little thing that you do. Uh, you get very limited authority, very limited authority to um, purchase some things. You know, everything more than $5, you need to get approval. Heck, everything you need to get approval. That's that's a sign that you're not being trusted. Your boss tells you, well, next time you do something or before you do something, ask me first. That doesn't show that they trust you very much. Uh, They are the ultimate authority. Everything has to go through them. Everything you do has to go through them. They don't share information with you. You feel that they're holding back uh, on information. They don't trust you with that information. Maybe they don't trust that you're going to keep it confidential. They don't let you speak with people outside of the organization. Does that ever happen to you when your boss says, I I don't want you to talk to anybody outside of the organization. You talk to me, I'll talk to them. Or before you talk to them, ask me first. I'll tell you what to tell them. Um, When you feel that you're afraid to give them bad news because you don't 
know what's going to happen, what the reaction is going to be, and uh, you're not willing to try things and fail because of whatever the consequences are going to be, that probably means that they don't trust you. So this is just uh, how many did I give you? 10 or so examples of symptoms of when your boss doesn't trust you. There are plenty more. Think about them. Look for signs that your boss doesn't trust you to know that this is a relationship that you want to work on. If you're the leader, if you're the boss, here are signs that your employees that work for you and report to you don't trust you. One is they're not accountable. What you get from them is the CYA or cover your ass attitude. Uh, they, uh, they will just do things to meet the, the policies or your specific rules. Uh, they're going to keep asking you questions on every little thing. So should I do it this way? Should I do it that way? That means they don't trust you in how you're going to react to what happens if they fail. Uh, they're not creative. They're not productive. You know, they, they, uh, no, you, you probably heard that nobody ever got fired for choosing IBM. That's the, uh, that's the attitude that they take. Nobody ever got fired for choosing IBM. Um, they only tell you what you want to hear. You, you can sense that. You, you can sense with somebody comes to you and says, yeah, everything w- worked well. And uh, yeah, this is, this is going well. And you can look in their faces and you can see, you can see their body language. This is back to the intimacy part of seeing the inconsistency between what they say and their body language. You can feel that something went wrong and just they just don't want to tell you because that's not what you want to hear. Uh, They're afraid of failure. You can see how afraid they are of failure. And it's probably because of how you're going to react to failure. It might be because of how the organization may react to their failure. And they know that you don't have their back which means that they don't trust you. You feel that nobody wants to deliver bad news in the orga- in your organization specifically. Uh, they're scared of your reaction. Uh, they're, they're not willing to try things. They're not willing to experiment. They're, they're going to ask you every little thing. See, all those things are, are related. And once again, there are probably other components. There, there are other sim- uh, signs or, or symptoms. Just be very sensitive and try and see if there is something there that tells you that they don't trust you enough. Still at the workplace, uh, signs that your colleagues don't trust you. Uh, They're talking about you behind your back. You know, at some point it's going to come back to you. Somebody's going to say, you know, so-and-so talked about you and and said this about you. So you're going to know that they're talking about you behind your back. Why are they talking about you behind your back? Because they don't feel comfortable giving you feedback directly to your face. So they would rather do it to somebody else. Now, if what they say about you behind your back, and remember how a very famous astronaut, Jeff Bezos, said, uh, your brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. If what they say about you is how great you are, if somebody comes to you and say, you know what, your team just loves you. They keep bragging about how great of a leader or a colleague you are. That's okay. You know, that's not a sign of lack of trust, but it's when the negative feedback comes behind your back and not to your face is when they don't trust you and they don't give it to you directly. They don't invite you to meetings. So again, your colleagues are holding meetings without inviting you because they don't trust you. 
And when I'll talk about teams, I mentioned that at actually the first episode of the first season, I talked about the, the size of the team. But I'll talk more about that and uh, j- just kind of throwing that the, the level of trust in a team is limited by the l- level of trustworthiness of the least trustworthy person in that team. I'll leave it at that for now, but that might be a reason why they don't invite you to meeting. They're not vulnerable with you. You, you just feel that everybody is very reserved, very kept to themselves. They don't share everything with you. They're not willing to be vulnerable. What I found is when somebody trusts you, they're 240% more likely to be vulnerable or more willing to be vulnerable with you than if they don't trust you. So you feel that they're not vulnerable. They don't give you direct feedback to your face. They give it behind your back. 106% more likely to give you direct feedback or more willing to give you direct feedback if they trust you than if they don't. They don't listen to your feedback. They don't take your feedback. You give them feedback and you see that they they shrug it off. Why? Because they don't trust you that you have their best interest in mind. Once again, in one of my surveys, I found that if they don't, if they trust you, they're 76% more receptive to your feedback than if they don't trust you. Let's talk about customers, your customers. If you're selling something, uh, you lose deals to competitors, even though you're selling at the same price, same terms, everything is the same, but you're losing deals to competitors. Now, you're not losing deals. If you're losing deals because your product, pardon my language, your product sucks or your service. Well, if your service sucks, then, then this is a trustworthiness issue. But if your product is bad and the competitor's product is better, that, that's not a matter of trust. But I'm saying same product, everything else being equal, same product, same performance for that specific customer. And they still buy from a competitor. They probably don't trust you enough. And, and I'll just remind you, if you're trustworthy and the competitor is not, you get the business 100% of the time, not 95%, 100% of the time. But you can actually charge a premium for being trusted if the other person is not. Just, just to get to that 50-50 odds of getting the deal, it's a 29.6% price premium at a $10,000 price point. So these are customers. How about spouses? Well, uh, does your spouse want to keep a separate bank account? Does he or she tell you everything? Do they keep secrets from you? Those are the kind of things that lead, actually could lead to divorce, but but they they lead or they're symptoms, I should say, they're signs of them not trusting you. So I, I gave you several examples. Um, just ask yourself, are there any signs? Do I have any signs? Not just the ones that I told you about here, but are there any signs that I'm not being trusted? The reason you ask this question is so that it would help you identify the relationship. Again, it's going to be the first pin, the, the, the beachhead, the, the starting point of fixing all relationships or, or all things in a relationship. But this, these are the questions that you need to ask yourself. What are the signs that make me believe that I'm not trusted enough in that relationship doing that one thing? Your assignment, should you choose to accept it, is to identify that one relationship. Really, step one, the only thing that I want you to do is to identify a relationship. But I want you to do it seriously, not just pick up uh, of thin air. So these are the questions that I want you to answer. One is, 
Who do I want to be more trusted by? So identify that relationship. How do I know that they don't trust me? So I don't want you to just pinpoint at someone and say, this is a person I want to be trusted more by. I want you to come up with, how do you know that there is room for improvement? How do you know that they don't trust you as much as you want to be trusted? By the way, what do you want them and how much do you want them to trust you or to do? So you need to come up with, this is what I want them to trust me to do. This is the context part. And this is how much I want them to trust me to do uh, to do that. Uh, this is the uh, continuous part, trust law number one. So what is it that you need them to trust you to do and how much you need them to trust you to do it? How important is it? How important is it to them, to you, to the organization, if this is a workplace? What will happen if they continue to not trust me to do that one thing as much as I want them to trust me? What would happen to them, to me, to the organization? What will change if they do trust me? If, if everything we do here is going to work, what will change that will help them, that would make them trust you, uh, if they trust you more? My recommendation, don't move forward to the next episode. Don't move forward to the next step, unless you just want to understand the steps and know how they work. Don't move forward until you completed this assignment. So your first assignment is who do I want to be trusted more by, to do what, and how much? What would you like to know about trust and trustworthiness? Let me know and I'll answer it in a future episode. I would love to hear from you. Email me at yoram at thetrustshow.com. If you like this episode, subscribe to the show so you will automatically get notified when I release a new episode. Rate it, write a review for this podcast, because those ratings help not only you, but also others looking for podcasts just like this. If you're looking for more resources to learn about how to build trust, be trusted, or know who to trust, look up my workshops at yoramsolomon.com workshops, online courses at trustedatwork.com, find my books on Amazon, or go to my website, yoramsolomon.com. And remember one thing, the answer to these two questions will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? And can you trust me? Thank you for listening or watching The Trust Show.